Welcome to Group Talk, a monthly podcast conversation from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small groups ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax and listen to today's program. Hey, what's up, Small Group Network family? Jason Banzoff here. Thank you for joining us for Group Talk. We have a great show lined up for you today. But before we get started, I want to talk to you about two great Accelerate workshops we have coming up in the United States. What's an Accelerate, you might ask? Accelerate is a three-day workshop for small group ministry point people and their leadership team. You and your team will take a 360-degree view of your small group ministry as you develop a comprehensive strategic action plan for 2018 and 2019. This workshop not only gives you stimulating ideas, but you'll leave with a plan that you can begin to implement immediately. The first one is going to be April 23rd through the 25th in Park City, Utah, and the second one May 21st through the 23rd in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. If you're within a few hours of those locations, definitely check it out. Visit smallgroupnetwork.com events for more information. On this month's episode, Carolyn Takata chats with Dr. Roberta Hestness about scripture and engagement within small group ministries. She was a great guest at our lobby 2018, and we're excited to have her on this podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takata, your host and the small group's pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. We know statistically that in our culture, biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high, and a majority of our congregations do not have a good grasp of Scripture. But typically, one of the goals of small groups ministry has been to have people dig into the Bible together in some way, whether it's their curriculum, sermon-based materials, videos, whatever it is, or just opening up the Bible. And most small group ministries would say that Bible study is a significant or even an essential part of the small group experience. However, truth be told, we focus a lot of our time as small group point leaders on how to get people into groups, how to facilitate discussions, and how to get groups to do various things like serve together, that sometimes we can overlook training our leaders on how to engage with scripture during the group meeting times and just as part of group life. So how do we increase our engagement with God's word in the groups we lead? And how do we help these groups um, really dive in and know the God's word better? And so we have a special broadcast today taped from the small group network lobby gathering in March, where our guest, Dr. Roberta Hestinus, was a keynote speaker. Um, and she's uniquely gifted and experienced to talk about our topic today, which is how to discuss the Bible in our small groups. So uh, thank you so much, Roberta, for joining us. It's a privilege. I'm glad to be here. Well, Roberta is a pioneer in many ways, and we've had the pleasure of having her here at the lobby and hearing from her experience and learning from her wisdom over 50 years of ministry, which is incredible. So let me share a little bit about her. Um, She was uh, she was um, one of the only women full of professors at her time for a number of years. Um, she was also president of a Christian college. She was an international speaker, senior pastor, and author. She's been pioneering in Christian ministry for uh, over 50 years, as I mentioned. She's author of numerous books and publications. And for our purposes today, she wrote a seminal book 30 years ago on using the Bible in groups, which is still in circulation today, as well as a number of Bible commentaries. Um, she lectured extensively in six 
to universities and seminaries and has eight honorary doctoral degrees. Um, she also has a pastor's heart and she has served congregation in several states. And um, she's initiated courses during her time on Fuller's faculty on small groups and women in ministries and how to teach the Bible. So she's an ordained Presbyterian minister and she currently serves as a teaching pastor at Bayside Granite Bay Church, uh, which is a large multi-site um, mega church in near the Sacramento area. So it's all kinds of experience. There's so many ways to go with this. Um, but I want to really hone in on this topic when we were talking um, a few weeks ago, we were talking about what you've noticed kind of trends um, in small groups ministry and ministry in general. And so um, given your 50 years of ministry, what have you observed about biblical engagement in group life over those years? It's a fascinating thing to see the way God has worked in small groups, when I first became involved uh, officially, so to speak, in church ministry, mm -hmm. uh, there were very few churches that were doing anything very significant with small groups. And were there even classes uh, on small groups back uh, then in seminaries? When I went to Fuller, I believe that I taught the very first course <laughs> on small groups right. in the church right. uh, in any seminary. Right. Now you can major in it. It's such a different world. <laughs> yes. It's such, and I used to have to spend part of every course with the seminary students talking about why mm -hmm. small groups were important and significant in the life of the church. And now uh, the issue is all about how yes. do we do that and not why do we mm -hmm. do that. And I rejoice in the way in which thriving, growing, healthy churches right across the country mm -hmm. have adopted small groups as a major and fundamental component mm -hmm. of healthy church life. Right. But along with that, in the last few years, maybe 10 years or so, it's hard to say, mm -hmm. I have begun to be concerned about the lack of in-depth engagement with the scripture on the part of many small group participants. Most of our groups have some kind of Bible component yes. in them. But what I have noticed is that increasingly the focus in the group tends to be on building relationships yes. and the engagement with scripture very often is of the type where scripture may be read mm -hmm. or people will have been asked to work on a study guide of right, some right. kind, which in my experience the vast majority of lay people often do not do that homework and engage <laughs> in that uh, daily or weekly right. in-depth Bible study on their own. A lot of us have given up on trying to give homework. <laughs> yes. I gave that up a long time ago, actually, and I'm very pleased when we have good material yes. and people make the commitment mm -hmm. because they gain so much from it sure. and actually do that homework. But my experience is yeah, they that most don't, right. and uh, you can't expect it. Mm -hmm. But what happens in the group is kind of the assumption often 
that people have done that homework. Mm. They've got that scripture under control, so to speak. <laughs> and so what we do in the Bible study is we go very quickly from perhaps reading the scripture or referring to the scripture to the application question, how do we live this out? How yes. do we apply the scripture? And it often is true at least as I have seen it, not everywhere, mm -hmm. but in enough places that I'm concerned about it for the evangelical movement, mm -hmm. that we haven't really looked carefully at the text and do not know how to draw the meaning and the content uh, that is actually there in the text. We rely on... Uh, pre-digested mm -hmm. yes. biblical information. But but if if you're a lay leader um, and you're leading a Bible study and this is just, you know, you have a job that's 60 hours and you're commuting and so you're leading this group, you might not feel like you have the time or the knowledge, or if you've been a Christian for a number of years, so you read the pre-digested thing that is either in the Bible study book or that a sermon discussion guide, maybe someone from your church, probably somebody like a small groups pastor, has put in there, and that kind of becomes a shortcut. Is it, I mean, is that always a bad thing to have kind of? It's not a bad thing at all to have resources. I'm really grateful for the number of resources mm -hmm. that are now available. The, the workbooks, videos, yes. study guides. Uh, now, there's, there's a, lot. a lot of that, and much of it is very useful and mm -hmm. good. And I absolutely think for most groups, it's quite helpful uh, that they have that kind of resource. But um, I used to uh, have a professor who said uh, that uh, reading the commentary is like kissing the bride through the veil. It's, <laughs> it's not direct. It's not firsthand. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And you're not learning how to be nurtured and fed mm. yourself by the scripture. Are we lazy? Is that why we, we would rather read someone's? It's, it's oh. a pattern we fall into. Mm. Let me tell you one of the ways the Lord taught me mm. uh, through something I did wrong. <laughs> I was leading a small group Bible study on Romans, and most of us would be aware that Romans it's is a fairly a, a <laughs> yes. difficult yes. book. Uh, and yet, it's a book that's got the heart of our mm. faith, mm. Uh, in-depth, explained. Uh, the, the cross is so central, our need for the gospel, mm. uh, the way in which we grow in Christ, God's purpose in terms of the future and how we live together in community. I mean, it's a very, very rich resource. And I was leading this small group, and without meaning to, um, I thought I was asking questions and leading people to directly engage with Scripture. And one morning, we were driving home. Uh, a friend of mine was driving, and she said to me, I so love our Bible study. When I read the Bible for myself, I can't make any sense out of it. Oh, I've heard that a lot. Yes. And, but when I come to Bible study, then it seems so clear, mm -hmm. and that's why I love our Bible study. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, really punched me mm. and told me I had failed. 
because my goal was not to digest this food so other people could get it secondhand, thirdhand, um, you know, how many commentaries I had read. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and were still hungry and did not know how to be fed by the word for themselves. And when people are living their everyday life and they meet the challenges and the decision points or the hard places or the uh, uh, future guidance mm -hmm. that they need, you are not going to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, they need to be able to open the word and to allow the Holy Spirit to be their teacher, which is one of the things Jesus said that the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit was intended to do. So as Christians, if we're in Christ, right. we have the Holy Spirit, the teacher, right. and we have the Word inspired mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit, and the Scripture is given to teach us, correct us, Train us in righteousness, equip us right. for every good work. And that means that one of the goals for our small group is that people would learn how to directly engage the scriptures for themselves so that they can draw on its riches for every aspect of their life. Do, do you think we kind of give that role over to maybe Bible studies or Sunday school classes or discipleship classes? Well, it almost seems like in some of our environments, we've bifurcated that and said, okay, small groups is primarily for fellowship and building relationship, um, and Bible is part of that but it's not the heavy dose. Whereas, you know, you have classes or discipleship things or uh, midweek things where that's more of the goal. Like it's, the, uh, I, and I know there's struct people that do that. I guess the, the danger, so I'm answering my own question. The danger is then if you only participate in the small group and not in a different surrounding, then you're going to miss out. And most lay people cannot handle because of their commitments, their families, yes, their the workloads, right. uh, two touches yeah, by church really is the norm. And so if people are going to the weekend services and they participate in a small group, they are probably right. not in a Bible class right. or a Absolutely. place of systematic teaching. Right. And the only Bible they're really getting is... Uh, in the Sunday um, mm -hmm. service. And of course, that varies. <laughs> we're getting the word uh, in the music right. as well sure. as in the preached word, but the content varies. Mm -hmm. uh, and any pastor knows that you only have so many right. minutes in right. a year. True. And if you take the amount of time on average, the four to six hours daily mm -hmm. that people spend engaged with uh, social media, uh, with television, right. with the culture and the world speaking into our lives, the 30 or 40 minutes uh, on a weekend and the 
20 minutes that we may spend in the small group time, that's not a lot no, it's not. of immersion in Scripture uh, right. to help us. Well, and then the weekend, um, what you're getting at the pulpit is pre-digested, as, mm-hmm. as you said. So it still doesn't help us towards the goal of could they discover and allow the Holy Spirit to convict them themselves. I think we would agree that we would want that, but that seems like such a high, hard goal. Like We'd have to train our leaders differently, or what would we have to do to have something like that happen in our small group systems? Well, let me speak to the question you asked a minute ago, which was about time, because it takes time to prepare a good Bible study. What I've discovered over the years, working with hundreds of churches and thousands of people, (laughs) is that it really, if you have a good study guide, if you have a focus, Mm -hmm. and so your group has a purpose, knows what its purpose is, and includes Bible as part of its purpose, Yes. then you can do good preparation uh, with some help and resources and training uh, in about two hours a week. And what I have found is that if lay leaders will spend Mm -hmm. uh, two hours a week directly themselves engaged in the text, Mm -hmm. uh, using whatever resources have been made available to them, that two hours is about what it takes. And when you actually look, if you took the 168 hours (laughs) in a week, two hours can be carved out. Yes. And uh, others who have the gift to write materials, who have a deeper sense of calling, in this may spend more time, mm-hmm. but the two hours is usually plenty uh, to um, engage if with a limited portion of Scripture. Because one of the things is usually you can't handle more than a relatively brief section of Scripture. For instance, in Paul's letters, you can usually need, if you're going to do a good job engaging with the text, you usually need to, to have at least two studies a chapter. I'm involved right now in a study in Ephesians. And 14 verses is just about all a group can handle if we're not going to lecture at each other or just share our opinions. Well, and that's the, that's the danger. I think groups hesitate to just open the Bible and not have it be guided or pre-digested because they're worried about the heresy or somebody hearing something from, you know, some online thing and comes out with left field. Like leaders feel insecure, so they want the handholding of the pre-digested material. How, how would we equip them not to be afraid of random things that people in the group might bring up? I think this does come to training. Mm-hmm. that one of the things we have to do is to train our leaders in how to engage with the text directly. And so you have to think about how are we going to get people into the text? What method am I going to use so we look at the Bible together? Mm-hmm. That raises issues like which version? Yes. Every small group, different <laughs> churches, All lots different, yeah. of different versions <laughs> yeah. of the Bible. And one of the shortcuts I've learned is whatever version of the Bible is most used, mm-hmm. and usually the version used in the pulpit, right. is the version that I will copy the text in that version. Mm. And so that everyone has the same Same. version, and you don't waste valuable group time comparing translations (laughs) and saying, but mine says this, and mine says that. 
And anyone can bring their own version. They're more than welcome to use it. But for the discussion, we will be discussing off of this version. And that very much depends on your church and the traditions in your church. But that's one way that saves a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And so we either all are using the same version or I will print out on my home printer okay. um, the same version so that we are all on the same verse at the same time mm. using the same words. And then sometimes uh, you think about ways where you read the scripture out loud mm-hmm. and uh, you go around and have people read. Yes. Uh, you have someone right. read or you assign these three verses or those four verses. All the variations. But you get people engaged directly. So the Mm -hmm. first thing is that we have to train our leaders so that when it's Bible study time, uh, that we look at the Bible and that everybody is looking at the text, Mm -hmm. which means everyone needs a copy Mm -hmm. uh, of those verses. If you have a mixed group, husbands and wives, I have found it dangerous not to have both the husband and the wife uh, have a copy because the tendency will be for one of them to have the Bible and the other one sitting there listening, not really looking at the text. Well, that's mostly on the phone, so everyone, and at least in my small group, we pretty much all pull out our phone. (laughs) Yeah, and look at the same. Yes, look at the same version of it. But it's a training piece, actually looking at the Bible. And then just is it just trusting that... People are going to come up with stuff. You mentioned earlier. No, you need a methodical way. system. <laughs> so you don't not just saying, what do you think? Which just breeds ignorance all around? You absolutely don't do that. Okay. Because once you do what you think, what you're hearing is not, not. the scripture. You're mm-hmm. hearing the scripture processed. And you do want to know what people think. Okay. But you don't start there. Where you start is a very simple method that... Um, is often called the inductive method of Bible study. And what that means is that you look at the text, you observe Mm -hmm. what the text actually says. And that means that you're looking at it every single word. So you're looking first for the subject of the sentence, you're looking for the verb, you're looking for who is this written to, by whom. What is the subject of this? And what I find, I've been studying the Bible with joy for 50 years. When I became a Christian, this was one of the big things that changed in my life. The Bible made no sense to me. Once I had a relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit was helping me read, if I paid attention, and really that's what observation is, stage one, paying close attention, what does this actually say? And then you go on to say, what does it mean? And that is usually starts with defining any words or phrases that are significant. Not every single word, not every (laughs) single phrase, but the key ideas, the main thoughts. And I'm asking the primary question, what is the original author trying to say Mm. to the original audience? I want to know what it meant in context. Before I ask the question, what does it mean to me? Right. Because scripture is written in a context, right. and um, I need to read it in that context right. to interpret it and understand it. So when we rush to application, 
we skip very often rich truth that is there. For instance, I find in application that it's very common, and there is research to back this up, quite a bit of good research to back this up, that the conversation tends to be about us. Yes, and this is true. <laughs> about God. Yes. And very often I find I need to ask the question, what does this passage tell us mm. about God? What does it tell us about Christ? What does it tell us about salvation? What does it tell us about people? Mm. Uh, what does it say about God's will? I have to ask the God questions mm. because when we rush to what does it mean, we often get Christian cliches yes. and or um, this is how in my life yes. uh, this works out or what I do with it. And we haven't actually seen mm. or learned anything about God. The oh. Bible is primarily, first and foremost, not about me mm. and my needs, although it deeply speaks to, to me and my needs. <laughs> but it's about God and God's plan and God's ways of working and God's character, goodness, mm -hmm. and uh, what he means for us. And then it's about us. And so I want to ask, uh, what do I learn about human beings mm -hmm. before I ask, what do I learn about myself? Right. Uh, the Bible isn't a self-help book, first of all. <laughs> you hear that, though, sometimes referred to as, you know, life's manual. And yes. I, I get what and they it, mean. It, it is that, yes. But, but it does focus back on us. Now I'm feeling tremendously guilty because the questions I write for our discussion guides often have in the application portion, you know, what does this mean to you? Or how have you seen this worked out in your life? And I think there is a place for that sort of self-examination, but there's it's probably heavier than it needs to be. And I I really think your encouragement on focusing on what does this tell us about God really makes makes a lot of sense. I, earlier um, today, when you were speaking, you um, talked about the prayers that groups pray together. Mm -hmm. And this was so interesting um, because when you said when the prayer time is focused on, you know, health and well-being and jobs and, and those things matter, you Absolutely. know, our daily bread kind of yeah. things. But um, it really hit home when you said that because then if you've studied the Bible together in the way you are describing, the prayer time should reflect that. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't just be about you know, wanting our life to be smooth and comfortable, but rather about, okay, God's now exhorted us towards something um, or told us something about himself. So well, and if we think about the Lord's Prayer, mm -hmm. our Father, it begins with God. Yes. Who art in heaven, the grandeur and the glory and the authority mm -hmm. that God has as the creator of all. Um, and... You look at the hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And when our prayers are only about, could I have a better life? Could I be freed from suffering? Mm -hmm. uh, those are legitimate, appropriate things to pray for. Jesus goes on to say, give us this day right, right. our daily bread. But if you look at the Lord's Prayer, it starts with God, then it moves to our human needs, mm -hmm. but it's also a prayer of community. Mm -hmm. It's our 
daily bread. And very often our prayers are individually centered uh, on what the culture values most, health Mm -hmm. and wealth and prosperity Mm -hmm. and relief from pain and all of these things. And I love the verse that said, don't be anxious Mm -hmm. about anything, but ask God. He cares. And as the Father who loves us, there isn't anything we can't ask mm. about and for. But if the total prayer time is always we're going to share, I have this illness or I have this mm. friend who was diagnosed <laughs> or this man who lost his job, mm-hmm. and it's all about us rather than being about God mm-hmm. and his kingdom yes. and then what we need as human beings and the way God provides so that we can then be instruments of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And there's just one other thing that I think is really important. We have a lot of instructions from Jesus and Paul and lots of places in the Bible about how to pray and what to pray for. Right. And for instance, when Jesus says, pray for the harvest, Harvest. For the harvest (laughs) and for the laborers to enter into the harvest. We very seldom pray. Although we need small group leaders, we we pray for them then. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But that whole idea that we pray for evangelism, we Mm. pray for those people who don't know God yet, Mm -hmm. we don't just pray for fellow Christians, uh, for our church. Or we're told by Paul to pray for those in authority over you, mm-hmm. even if that's not my politics. Yes. Uh, we have a biblical instruction to pray for the leaders because mm-hmm. they impact sure. uh, what's happening in history. Sure. And very often, very seldom rather, do I see in a small group any serious mm-hmm. prayer. We will complain or talk politics, which isn't very helpful in most of our small groups (laughs) to do that. But we don't do the one thing that God has straightforwardly told us to do. Pray for these people and um, carry them before the Lord because it's part of what God wants to do. He's in charge of the nations, and we ought to be praying uh, along the ways mm-hmm. the Bible teaches us to pray. I think that prayer piece struck me because I often think how people pray reveals so much about their life with God and how groups pray mm-hmm. reveals a lot about the depth of their, not just their biblical engagement, but also level of trust. Um, it's very revealing altogether. Mm-hmm. And and I know in a lot of groups you have the Bible study portion and then your prayer portion is like almost the curtain comes down and now we get to talk about ourselves instead of having it be integrated. And mm-hmm. if you've spent time in God's Word together, it How does should, that influence yeah, what we pray for? I would hope so, but mm-hmm. I, I know realistically that that's not necessarily the case. Um, so I think that's another piece of the biblical engagement that's missing and it's not carried through in our prayer life. Um, unfortunately, we are now almost out of time, but I did want to give you for just a couple of minutes, if there's any final thoughts you'd like to share on this topic of how we can do better as small group point leaders on equipping our leaders to engage I, I really believe that as part of the basic training, we need to give time to helping leaders to engage themselves directly with the mm-hmm. text and to learn to question the text in order to unpack what's in it. 
And I do want to stress that application is extremely important, that we don't study the Bible to store up knowledge. Yes. Uh, we don't up, yes. study the Bible to be show-offs. Right. Uh, and we don't study the Bible to bounce all over Scripture uh, with stuff we already know. But we open the Scripture, we open it together, because by the Holy Spirit, God will speak. I remember a pastor very worried about having small groups study the Bible. Mm. In fact, I, I know pastors wow. who forbid okay. it because they say it will be ignorant. People, It will be the sharing of ignorance. Yes, yes. yes, I've heard that. But if you have a systematic method, the leader has prayed and prepared by doing their own study in the Scripture, mm -hmm. and you have good questions to ask that always include bringing the life to here, to our lives together mm -hmm. and to each life individually, that application of the text is going to be very important. But if I start there, mm -hmm. I may miss the blessings of experiencing the glory of God and the reality of the presence of God in our midst. Mm -hmm. And so every concern we have that we pray about, we remember again that mm. Jesus is with us, Jesus is here, and we are in his presence. Yes. And because scripture has shown us the reality of God and his truth, then we can pray at ever-growing depths mm. and see the way God is at work. We get new eyes mm. to see God and then to spend some time periodically in the small group saying, where have you seen God answer mm -hmm. prayer? Mm -hmm. I did that uh, in a larger group broken into small groups, mm -hmm. subgroups. <laughs> of course. Uh, because if a group's too large, subgroups share, are one right? of the ways right. to get everyone a chance to share, right. and they need to mm -hmm. um, be able to share. And when people shared, uh, it was astonishing what God had done. Mm. But we had always prayed forward in terms of problems mm -hmm. rather than taking the time to say, where have we seen God at work for praise yeah. in the last week, month, mm -hmm. year, mm -hmm. if you want to give them lots of time, and then hear some of the stories of how God has answered prayer. So into the Word, Stay in the Word until you've really looked at it carefully. Ask good questions about what's the main point here, mm. the most important things I learn about God, salvation, my own life, the life of the church, mm -hmm. and then taking that scripture on into the sharing and the prayer time. One last thing is that um, it's important, I think, to vary the format of mm. your small group. So that sometimes you start with Bible study, mm -hmm. sometimes you begin with the personal sharing or the answers to prayer mm -hmm. before we look at the scripture text. Sometimes we're doing the Bible part in the middle. Sometimes we're doing sharing and prayer mm -hmm. and then go to scripture and then have another brief time of prayer where we pray, deliberately pray the scripture. Mm -hmm. So what does the scripture so mix it up. tell us about? Mix it up. Keep it varied. Don't do the same thing every time, but always dig into the Word. I think we will go deeper. We will see more transformation. We'll see the church being a better witness if the Scripture is more central in what we do. Wow. 
Absolutely agree. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm so convicted now. I'm planning a different training in my head now as we're sitting here. So thank you so much. This is very convicting and challenging and much needed. Um, and I think we'll be definitely more transformative communities as a result of it. So um, God bless you, Roberta, and your continued ministry and all the wisdom. I continue to bless you as you bless so many of us. Well, and thank you. And thank you for this ministry. I think it's wonderful that there's a way to connect yes. with a community of people called right. to this part of God's work, because I think a lot of what God wants to do through the church begins uh, in the small group, and that's where it gets right. down where we live. I've spoken like a true small group pioneer. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to Group Talk. Please feel free to interact with me or others on the Small Group Facebook page um, about this topic or anything else, um, and we will see you next time. Wow. Big thank you to Dr. Roberta Hestinus and Carolyn Takeda for that great challenge this month. Now, before we go, I want to talk to you about huddles. Local huddles are created to gather small group point people to share ideas, resources, and build relationships. I want to share my huddle story with you. Just a little over two years ago, I was brand new into small groups ministry. I reached out to a larger church about an hour from me and got connected to the small group network and into the Central Maryland huddle that was led by Cynthia Considine. I was able to learn so much from people who had the same struggles I did and build relationships with people who were just awesome. After a short while, I started the Western Maryland Huddle to connect with other small group point people in my area. Now, are you in a huddle? If not, check out smallgroupnetwork.com for more information and to find one in your area. Can't find one in your area? Would you consider starting one in your area? Again, visit smallgroupnetwork.com to start one. I promise you, you won't regret it. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.